My name is Andrew Wormsley and welcome to episode 131 of Photography Insights. This is the show that goes behind the scenes and interviews people from the photography world. As you know, I've recently come across a lot of artists through the website lenscratch.com and I do urge you all to check it out. Recently, Karen Constein recommended a talk with the founder of the resource, Aileen Smithson. So that's what I did. After reaching out to Aileen, um, she was only too happy to chat. She's another lovely person who's all about giving, sharing information and providing a free resource for everyone. You know, it's a hell of an effort to write regular and find time for your work too. I know this. But after 14 years, Aileen is still going strong and now has a team of writers alongside her. Now what is unusual about the site is everything is free and it was done this way on purpose and all the staff are volunteers too. You know it's a very commendable thing that they provide the time and effort to help others. She's not only a talented photographer but her roots are in painting so you will see some of this in her photography. And what I really liked was the different projects she's worked on and some of these are just so much fun. It's not something I see a lot of, so it was really nice for a change. Though we only get a chance to talk about a few of these, like a Arrangement, The Lonesome Doll and In Case of Rain, you really should delve into her website and look more at her portfolio. The project's arrangement is all about a mother and it's been uh, exhibited in Russia, Korea, China, France, Italy and the USA. There are a few statements that Aline made during the podcast and tells you everything about her thought process when it comes to photography. The idea of Lens Scratch was to give back to the community, but she also is a big believer in being patient. And in fact, I took this quote from the show. Your work may not get celebrated now, but when your turn comes, everyone will celebrate you. It's a very nice sentiment and you'll hear more about that. Personally, I really love this and we're going to explain why she talks about this. But we also discuss only shooting film, board games, hard drive failure, velour tracksuits, peer reviewing, how to get noticed and hand painting. And of course there'll be links to um, the Instagram and website for you all to find to find out more but before I move you on you will be glad to hear I've managed to write an article yes I know it's been over a month now but this one is all about friends so it's very easy to write so I hope you do have, I hope you do have time to check that out at flogger.co.uk so remember that's p-h-l-o-g-g-e-r.co.uk what I'm hoping to do is start to give you notice of future podcasts on a week-by-week -week basis or plan forward, so that way you can maybe get involved and send in any questions. Uh, all I'm thinking is um, it can relate to the artist and what they're doing, and um, I'll make it easy enough, so if you can email me, uh, message me for social media, or even if you're feeling brave, send me a voice recording on Instagram. And I'll gladly read it out or play it back. 
Now, I am still floating this idea of running some sort of um, Patreon type system, um, but I might trans I might try something else like Kofi um, or for like a donation style thing instead. Uh, and it's basically all about time. I'm one of these people. I don't want to make promises that I can't keep, and say, "Oh, um, you know, as a Patreon subscriber, I'm going to do the show one day early." And, and even maybe create special versions you know I, I just wouldn't know where to find the time to commit to this each week um, my days are still very hard working due to Covid and I'm exhausted by the time I finish so please do bear with me on this now I have to say I really really do love what I'm achieving I love the responses from you all and it is truly appreciated um, but we've got to think it's now coming up to summer and I want to actually get out shooting and practice my art too so please do um, give me a bit of patience here um, but obviously if you are feeling generous I will never ever say no to free film or paper because they're always useful um, so yeah Please do keep coming back anyway. Please do check out the Friends of the Show. Um, that's Film Death for all your C41 developing needs. Chroma Camera for anyone interested in large format, medium format and then accessories. And there's some great and affordable zines at staticage.co.uk. Right, I've had some... Um, Lovely comments about the uh, Facebook group I'm running, which is the Photographer's Therapy. Um, and to reiterate, this is just uh, a group about talking to each other, helping each other through issues. Um, you can chat in here, you can share images if you like it, if that's your therapy. Please do that, you can talk about gear if you want. Um, honestly, it, it's an open forum to anything. Um, the idea is we're in there to help each other. Uh, and talk about life maybe in general so um, I'd hope you do enjoy that and get involved and support other people remember it's not just about us so let's play the music and uh, await our lovely guest Aileen Smithson <laughs> And welcome to the show, Aline. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm looking forward to this. Oh, th thank you. It's been it's been a pleasure. Um, obviously, you've come so recommended. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I paid them well. You did. Oh well, that's good. That did. <laughs> well, it was very nice of um, Karen Constantine to recommend yourself, and you know, obviously, she's not the only one. So. Um, as you know, I've been using um, Lens Scratch to approach um, people, and you know, I think it's a fabulous resource. And one of the latest um, photographers was, um, forgive me if I get the name wrong, uh, is it DB Arluk? Debbie Arluk. Oh, it's Debbie, is it right? Sorry. Yes. Uh huh. 
Yeah, because she was saying um, you two go back many years and she had nothing but compliments and nice things to say about you. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, she's really making her mark in the photo world and it's very exciting to watch. Oh, that's cool. So uh, I said I'd mention her, her anyway, so that, that's that's always a nice thing, I think. And um, I think when people talk about it in this way, uh, it's such a positive thing. Yes, we have a very um, warm and supportive community of photographers in Los Angeles mm. that really um, celebrate each other on a regular basis. So I feel very lucky to have that community. Yeah, it does seem like a, like a niche sort of area. Because um, I know there's like spots in America where I've found people just by, you know, sheer luck. But Los Angeles seems to have such, you know, like a pool of talent. Yes, I agree. <laughs> mm, it's, it's, it's good. So uh, how did you come up with this sort of idea of like Lens Scratch then? Well, in 2007, when everyone had a personal blog on their website, mm -hmm. when they were writing almost in a diaristic way about their path as a photographer, um, I too um, added the tab on my website of a blog and I would post, um, you know, two or three photos every couple of days and I would wait for all three followers to give me the thumbs up. And I realized that this was a very hollow exercise that um, I just felt like it was a time waster in a sense that I didn't really need that validation. I mean, it's nice, but yeah. I thought I could really use this platform to for better use. And I was teaching, I've been teaching for about eight years, seven, eight years at that point. And I thought I could really use this to learn about the community that I make work in. So um, mm. at that time, my husband had a job where he had to drive several hours to get there. So he would get up at like four in the morning. And then when he would get home at six, he he didn't stay up very late because he had to get up really early the next morning. So I had the whole evening stretched out in front of me. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I am going to make a vow to myself that I'm going to write about a different photographer every day. And wow. um, 14 years later, it's still going strong. Jesus, that's some commitment. Yeah. And we didn't, you know, now I have a staff. None of us get paid. I've never made a cent off of Lens Scratch. Yeah. Um, it's all, you know, our give back to the community. So. Wow. Um, That's lovely. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And we never charge admission for anything. Everything is free on the site. So. Yeah, because obviously the, that's not always the case for others, is it? Yeah, there's a lot of sort of pay to play sites. And mm. we don't want to be one of those. So. Now, that's um, a lot of articles. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Jesus. And then you still do that every day now? Yes, we're still posting seven days a week. I This summer, I brought on um, seven new editors okay. that were uh, really 
added a lot of diversity to the site and yeah. um and it's a gift to me that I don't have to write every day because there's all kinds of things going on on the back end, like I'm mm -hmm. about to launch the Lynn Scratch Student Prize, which I'm really excited about, which we've done every year. And it's just gotten bigger and bigger. And um, we have lots of programs. Like in August, we have a program called Photographers on Photographers, where photographers interview each other. And just setting all that up in advance and in a way that makes it easy for us, you know, that takes a lot of time and energy. And um, I have some wonderful people working with me, um, Kelly Eisworth in particular, who helps me set up all of those things. So mm -hmm. if I'm not writing, I'm still on the site every day doing something. <laughs> But it's been great to have other voices because it's just, it's not my curation now. It's a whole range of people. Yeah. So. Did you see, see that like slowly happen? And was it a case of you were so busy, you needed a bit of help? Or do you think? Yes and no. It's definitely that. But also, mm. I just think it's more interesting to have a variety of perspectives. And um, people will find people that I would never have found. Um, mm -hmm. so I really liked opening other voices mm -hmm. and for instance, I have a week on prison photography coming up and it's all women photographers making work in the prisons about something. And I never would have had access to those photographers. So yeah. I asked, um, someone who has a very well celebrated body of work, Sarah Bennett, if she would like to to do a week of posts on this subject and she was so happy to be able to shine a light on other photographers mm. so so it's great oh that's nice i think it's one of the best things you can do actually in it that you showcase other people's um area and photography and work and probably maybe the people that are actually shooting or you know the environment or whatever Right. Because yeah. it's not just about us, is it, as photographers sort of thing? Yeah, I've always felt like I had no interest on being on this journey alone. Hmm. Like, I wanted to be on the journey with, with everyone, and I yeah. wanted to celebrate everyone as I move along. So as many people as I can, at least. Hmm. So... And it's you know, funny. it's something I teach my students. I, I, I say, you know, your work may not get celebrated right now, but if you're celebrating others, when your turn comes, when your work makes it out into the world, everyone will celebrate you. So um, it's, it's something I've really passed on to all of the students that I've had over the years, that it's important to celebrate each other. That's really nice sentiment because I don't think I remember any of that when I first started shooting. Mm. Yeah. I have to say, you know, I think the photography community is truly remarkable. I think it's mm -hmm. unlike any other art genre mm. in art. Like, And I think one of the reasons is that photographers, especially in America, can go to these different portfolio reviews and meet other photographers, which is just as important as meeting a curator or an editor. 
Mm. Um, and really building a, a sense of community. And I have I've witnessed it so many times on social media platforms like Facebook where everyone comes out to celebrate or mourn or support or just it's it's really a remarkable community mm. yeah you're right yeah I, I think the the thing that's unusual for us in this country is there's no, none of this um, review process um it was only recently that i came across um you like to yourself talking about this sort of thing and i thought you know, that would probably help people because, um, you know, when you enter world of photography like I did, I had no friends around me. So my only peers are me and anyone online. And sometimes you know what social media people are like. It's uh, It can be a horrific world of learning at the beginning. So the um, the idea of a review from someone who's knowledgeable must be great. It's great, and sometimes it can be devastating because yeah. I have, I have done many reviews as a photographer, and many reviews as a reviewer, and okay, you know it's stressful actually on both sides of the table. Sometimes yeah. it's stressful because the reviewer sees maybe four times the amount of artists than the artist is seeing reviewers. That the the artist may see four reviewers in a day, and I'm seeing twenty artists. And by the twentieth artist, I'm tired. You know, yeah. it's like it's hard to um, maintain that level of focus and enthusiasm. But I try. Mm. <laughs> well, no one's perfect, are they? That's right. <laughs> Certainly not me. <laughs> oh no, I'm sure no one is. I, I think it's, I think it's a tough thing to crack because it's getting that right element of giving good quality feedback rather than just saying oh it's rubbish or have you just tried this and quite often i've had them very direct messages of people and then i've gone to my mates and said look at this and you know they've all said well you don't need that and they are you happy you like it well yeah so it's hard isn't it well i've never paid any attention to what anyone thinks uh, okay. Honestly, yeah. and I think that's the way you have to be. You have yeah. to just own who you are. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to make bad work. But mm. I, I never put my work out to be judged in that sense. Like I don't mm. ask for help from the crowd. Mm. I, I just make my work quietly and then present it because I, I'm a pretty severe editor of my own work, <laughs> and. Um, I just think, you know, if you listen to too many voices, you'll never get anything done. Yeah. So. I totally agree with that. I think yeah. doing work and content is more important than perfection as well. Right. There's, there's too many people who sit there and contemplate, and uh, I'd rather just um, get my work uh, and move on to the next thing. And this is how this happened, um, you know, nothing was perfect at the beginning i didn't have any equipment i used my phone and um there was a lot of technical issues but it was far better um to put some out there and it has my name behind it and you know look where we are now yeah exactly um, i always review portfolios with possibility not with criticism 
I, yeah. I will say yeah. to someone, well, have you considered how you're going to exhibit the work? Um, mm -hmm. You know, let's take a look at your articulation. Maybe that could be a little stronger. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you could move this sequencing around. I, I don't, you know, I want the person to feel excited at, at the potential of what they've done rather than devastated that the reviewer didn't like their work. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So as far as um, the people I see every day um, in the blog or whatever you want to call the newsletter, how does someone get noticed then? So, you know, how can we help people do that? How does a photographer get noticed? Yeah. I, mean, um, I think applying to some of the major awards, um, there is um, critical mass through Photolucida is a, is a very important feather in your cap. And um, applying to things like the center awards through visitcenter.org um, those are all really significant markers of, of some, you know, a success, mm -hmm. um, applying to various shows. I think if you are in the UK or in other countries and you're applying to things in the United States, it's, it's prohibitive to ship framed work. So mm. I would steer photographers to really looking at online um magazines and sites and in print um there was a p time in my career where i was tired of paying submission fees and then shipping work off to a show and then having it come back and not having been sold and i just thought i'm going to take a year off from that process and try to get my work in magazines and on um websites that don't charge you anything. Yeah. And then I realized that getting into a magazine has way more many eyes on the work than a a show in a part of the country where there's very little foot traffic into the gallery. Mm. So um I think you have to be tenacious and I think you have to also make work that has set you apart that really has something to say that's well done mm. that's um maybe where the process and the subject are in harmony with each other um and work that doesn't look like anyone else's mm. that's how you get noticed which is probably the hard, one of the hardest bits in a way um because i think the the artists I've seen it, everything seems to come natural and they're just you know sculpt paint photograph stitch or whatever uh, and it's about them and their lives and you know I, I've been saying for weeks now that this seems a very strange approach because um, my photography has always been about learning how to use a camera learning how to use lights and then it's Right, here's a model, here's street photography, here's another genre, try this. Um, so that way of thinking is dead in the water. It's time for you to move on from that thinking. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, you know, if, if we talk about fine art photography, we're talking about art. Yeah. And to create art, you have to transform something. 
-hmm. And so the work that you're talking about is all transformational photography. Mm -hmm. When you, the only genre where I think just straight shooting is appropriate is perhaps street and mm -hmm. maybe the road trip or something. Uh, um, even landscapes have become completely transformative with, and so many work, women are now working in landscape photography um, and really bringing a whole new way of considering the landscape, mm. um, kind of pushing back on certain genres that were typical male genres. Yeah. Um, and I think that photographers that sort of cling to the old way of making work of just, it's all about light shadows, which can be beautiful and wonderful but I think they're feeling a little left behind and then they can't quite figure out how to make their work um, a little more vital and interesting to the, um, hmm. to the curators and people. So that it does take really deep thinking and analysis. And also I think play is incredibly important. Like, hmm cutting up your images, trying something different, doing things where you're going to fail and make mistakes, but you're trying something. And there has to be a reason behind it. Like you don't just cut up your images because everyone else is doing it. You cut up your images because your life is falling apart and that's a metaphor for it or something, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, I think photography has really, really shifted back to being an art form, not necessarily sort of traditional photography form. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think everything you said, it's it's something I've seen in all these artists, you know, whether, yeah. um, you know, Karen only recently, isn't it, during COVID, uh, there's some real landscapes. I mean, that's fantastic work. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Right. It's nice that people are approaching it and finding these different angles. And I, I like the the idea. Um, uh, Rita, she was me um, playing with inks, and I just think you know they, these are such amazing ideas. And yet, like you're saying, they come from feelings and emotions and events in your life. Um, and I, I think all the conversations I've had, it's made me think about maybe what I like, uh, my life, and um, is some of my recent photography projects a bit more involved in what I've thought, they're not just taking photos. So it's been quite good recently, actually. Yeah, yeah. And I think we have to realise that photography has become ubiquitous. Yeah. And that every man, woman child and even dogs can wear GoPro cameras and <laughs> um, and it doesn't necessarily mean just because you take a photograph that it's an interesting photograph. I mean, yeah, you know, how many sunsets can we look at? Yeah. How, you know, there's everything has been photographed and photographed over and over. So hmm. now we have to figure out how to transform those photographs to talk about something else hmm. yeah yeah that's that, that's so true 
I mean, I need to talk about your work because obviously um, it's something people talked about. Now, the first one I want to talk about, um, so people need to look at these pictures. Uh, you've called it an arrangement? Yes, this is, um, this is based on James McNeil Whistler's, very famous Whistler's mother. And okay. um, I was a painter before I was a photographer. And uh -huh. um, I, he was one of my favorite painters that I studied. And I've always been so drawn to his composition. Mm -hmm. And I um, was at a garage sale. I don't know what they call them in England, where people put their yeah. leftovers outside and you buy them. And I found a small print of Whistler's mother. And I, I just kept looking at it thinking, you know, this could be a really interesting project to make a body of work around this composition. Mm -hmm. So I asked my mother if she would be my model. And um, <laughs> for two years, I collected props and costumes and um, photographed her. And then I know this sounds crazy, but at that time I um, had never shot color film through my Rolaflex. I'd only shot black and white because I'm still, I still only shoot film. My main camera is the twin lens Rolaflex. And um, I, I thought, how can I add color? Because I, I printed all my own work in the dark room. So okay. I didn't know how to print color work. So I thought, well, I'd been a painter, so I will paint on my black and white photographs. So all this whole series is hand painted. And every time I sell a print, I um, have to repaint it. Jesus. So, but the great thing is my mom passed away right after I finished the series and I get to spend time with her every time I paint it. And it's probably been my most successful series. Um, and it's also traveled all over the world. I've had shows in Russia and China and Korea and um, um, in Europe, in Italy and France and all over the US. So I feel like my mother got to go to all those places. <laughs> and um, so, you know, it's a really, it's, it's a near and dear project. Mm. Um, it was really my first big, launch into the photo world. Prior to that, I had been working anonymously for years, which I also appreciated having no eyes on my work so that I could just hmm. make mistakes and learn my craft. I mean, today now everyone puts everything out on social media, but I do think there's an importance of keeping things private and keeping hmm. things just for you. So, hmm. but anyway, that's, that's that series. Hmm. Oh, it's it's fabulous. God, you, you are so skilled because they just look like they're colour prints or a digital um, photograph. You know, the interesting thing about hand painting is you don't want it to, um, you don't want the paint to cover the photograph in a way so that it obscures it. So mm -hmm. you can only use a cotton ball, a Q-tip, or a toothpick with a little bit of cotton on the end. And those are your tools for painting. You don't use a brush. God. I know. It's and I love hand painting. And it's it's a process that 
has not been celebrated much. Um, we okay. kind of think of it as people coloring in flowers or kind mm -hmm. of sweet photography. I think it got very popular in the 70s. Mm -hmm. Again, I think it was popular in like the 20s and 30s also. But I, I have so much fun um, painting these and um, as I say, getting to spend more time with my mom each time. Oh, so. that's, that's, you know, a really nice thing to have a memory like that. And yeah. It, to me, it's um, comedy. Oh, absolutely. And I've mm. had gallerists say, we've never had a show where people are laughing in, in the gallery. <laughs> and that makes me so happy because both of my parents had a great sense of humor and Humor is a big part of my life, so um, it's very hard to do humor and make it not make it corny. Or um, yeah. so I think it was successful that way. Yeah, that's so cool. I like the way you've put um, different pictures in the corners as well. Right, the picture in the corner relates to whatever she's wearing. Uh, of course, yeah. That's why there's Elvis. That's why there's a wedding. Yeah. Last Supper, yeah. No, they're, they're fantastic. I've, I mean, I've never seen it like that, so that's great. And and I've seen people um, hand colouring as well. I've, I've interviewed a few people who do it. And then for me, it's the, it's a process that they used to use um, back when film was um, involved in like the newspaper industry and the touch-up, weren't they? Right. Yeah, um, I, I've personally tried it um, with my daughters, and you know, I'm a useless painter, <laughs> but we had fun. Yeah, and um, and these are you know silver gelatin prints, so yeah. you know real um, hand painting is always done on silver gelatin. So it actually makes it sort of twice as valuable because now silver gelatin is such a a lost art yeah nice it's amazing so much fun that um and uh, another thing that i picked up on your site because uh, obviously you've got quite a lot of work over the years was this lonesome doll i mean i was looking at it because some of these dolls from certain periods are so scary yeah well i I love creepy things. I love oh, okay. um, this. I actually, I have a children's book using the doll. Um, and if you think about it, that we offer up a lot of kind of creepy, scary things to our kids. If we think about Tim Burton movies mm. and, you know, all of those, I think kids have such an imagination that it's the adults that get more freaked out about things like you know, like, I don't find this odd at all. Like, okay. for me, this is just normal. Um, <laughs> and uh, really, I look at, he has such an incredible face. He mm -hmm. was a doll that came out, I think, in the early 70s. And okay. he was a spy. And he came with lots of, um, like, mustaches and wigs and glasses and scars that you could glue on him and take off. And so I just got rid of all, all of that stuff and just use him because he really has a presence. Like, when I have, 
I now own four of them. And when they're in my office out, you know, I really feel their presence. <laughs> um, but a, a fascinating story is that um, I one day got an email from the producer. I don't know if, if the, the show Breaking Bad was in England. Um, but let's just say it was massive. Okay, so <laughs> it was um, th the producer of Breaking Bad said, the writer for Breaking Bad has had this project on his website, on his um, the front page of his screen for several years, and he loves it. And we are making a TV series, and we would like to use some of your work in like the second season. The, the show was about psychics. And um, it turned out what they wanted was the doll. They didn't particularly want my work. But oh, okay. it really showed me that I wasn't alone <laughs> in my um, love of these things. So um, that was kind of fun. And um, I just yeah. sold uh, eight of them. Someone has eight of these images lined up in their house. So um, <laughs> it's not as creepy as you think. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, yeah, because some people don't just adore it. My, my friend sells um, antiques uh, and obviously there was a certain period where um, there was dolls with um, dresses and that, not too dissimilar. Right. And I, I've been in his house and seen them dotted around his room and it's like, God, that's quite frightening. And um, yeah, it could be like a Halloween thing to be, you see. Yeah. Well, I love, you know, TV shows about murder, and I, mm. I don't know. I have this dark side also. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. We all do, don't yeah. we? It, I, I thought it was a lovely um, take on, like, loneliness, though. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, the but, children's book is all about that the doll has no friends, and he, he mm. meets all these other dolls and tries to figure out where he fits in in the world. And then at the end, he realizes that he has to love himself before he can love anyone else. So that's the theme of the book. Yeah, that's cool. So you have to love him. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh, God, I, I get really bad nightmares. Um, so it, it's a reason why I don't watch horror. Uh, I've watched a few horror over the years and like, they still haunt me, you know, 20, 30 years later. Yeah. I I but, still cannot watch The Exorcist. Yes. Oh, God, like, no I chance. can't watch anything about demons or the devil. It's just too scary yeah. to me. Yeah, I, I'm so... Serial I, killers, maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a uh, strange thing. I know one of the... I think one of the ones I really loved, because it seems so crazy, was um, him in the washer. Oh, yeah. So strong um, to me. But then even playing with, like, two other wooden dolls that's got on his hands facing those each are other. Like, those dolls are, um, there's a magnet on their mouths, so they, like, kiss. Wow. Because that's quite a strong image, really, as well. Yeah. I know yeah. it's. I mean, he is a very lonely doll. So yeah, I, I he needs more friends. Yeah, it's a clever photo. Yeah, 
that's why I really liked it. Um, no, that was really cool. I mean, there was there've been so many projects you've worked on, um, and obviously this uh, in case of rain, you know that just um, came straight into my head because it's what our families have done, um, even as a child, and I do it with my kids, and it's moving away from technology, isn't it? Yeah, and and it started because um, we have rented a house on a lake. Uh, in Massachusetts, we now own a house there, but for years, and the house has been in my husband's family since the 1800s. Wow. So the house is layered with all of these, um, this ephemera from previous generations, books, puzzles, games, uh, magazines. And, you know, I noticed that my children never had any interest in any of it. Um, right. They just want to be on their computer. Yeah. And so I realized that all these objects, these tactile objects are going to be gone in the next generation. Like every game our children play is going to be a computer game. Mm -hmm. And that we're really losing in some ways a history of, of play. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, in my articulation of the work, I said I felt like an archaeologist mm. uh, of really needing to document something before it was gone. So that's that's what that series is. And I look at also, especially um, things made sort of mid-century, how much more beautiful the colors are and the printing yeah. And the box that holds them. I mean, now you, when we get a game, the box is made of cheap cardboard, and mm -hmm. it it just doesn't have the weight and beauty um, as things made in previous decades. Yeah, one thing I was going to say was craftsmanship. Do, yeah. Do you think that's literally just gone now, and like craftsmanship is just literally now a nice paper design? For, for a cover for a game or whatever? I think for the masses, yes. I think, yeah. you know, there are, there's always going to be things made that are beautiful but expensive mm -hmm. and that aren't going to go out in mass. But, mm. you know, when I go to my local store and I want to buy checkers or something, mm. I the box falls apart almost immediately. Just yeah. It's all made in China. It's all... You know, it's just not something that's going to move through the generations. It's going to be thrown out in a couple of years. Yeah. I think that's um, our society, and it? It's moved along in this sense where... Yeah. I think there's a few things, though. Some of it is um, the digital world has changed everything, but also we've had access to cheaper goods. Right, uh, and that's probably affected things even worse, to be honest, than um, the digital divide. I mean, I, I'm um, I'm a massive fan of board games still. Um, I mean, my daughters still play them, um, but again, it it is so different from an online game. Keeping that level of interest um, is really, really tough. Yeah, I agree. Mm. It's a hard thing, but, you know, looking back on these images, um, it, it is, it's almost 
stepping back into the past and well i might not have played or understand all the elements there because i assume some of them are from before i was born um you know we have shelves of books here um jigsaws um you know they still do them but um, there's definitely games involving counters and dice they just mm -hmm. changed a little bit that's all yeah um but i think they're important bits of like life because it's about using like it's like say tactile um, right it's a different experience isn't it and even the spines and book covers mm. um from 50 years ago the colors of the linens were so beautiful yeah it's just everything has changed it's just not as high quality as it used to be um, yeah so but it's you know it's just made me look hard at things um and appreciate them before they're gone yeah it's nice that you've got somewhere to keep them as well it's almost yeah. like having your own like antique or museum isn't it yep uh it's lovely uh, and the, the other one i found really interesting was this um are the negatives uh, i don't even know how you say the word is f-u-g-u-e fugue state fugue um, a fugue state is an in-between state oh, and, right yeah i see um I mean. so this came about again i'm always thinking about legacies of objects of photography of how my how my work is going into the future the future of photography uh -huh. and so i again always look to my children because they're the next generation and i see what they're doing and i've noticed that my children have never made a print everything they create is on their cell phones yeah and i started to realize that in 2007 when digital kind of took over the world everyone stopped making photo albums yeah. because no we were no longer going to the drugstore and getting prints made mm -hmm. so all of our photo albums stopped in about 2007. so going forward i think about the fact will my daughter sit on the couch with her granddaughter and show her her life on her phone and the fact that there are no more sort of formal family portraits going into the future in a physical way hmm. really i mean i think about all of that physicality a lot and yeah. so i wanted to call attention to this so i took portraits of people that i make as, as i said i only shoot film so that and then i take the negatives and I wound the negatives with chemicals. And then okay. I re-scan the negatives in negative, um, partially because, as I said, I was a painter and the colors are uh, more vibrant in negative for some reason. And yeah. I also kind of like that transformation. So um, it, you know, really, it's a call for attention that we're losing so much in the next generations, and we're losing our photographic legacy. And my next series, which I haven't put out in the world, is about lost digital legacies, because 
over the pandemic, even though I shoot film, all my film is scanned in. And mm. I had one hard drive of scans. And because I have the negatives, I was a little cavalier about having all these backups. Mm. And my scan drive crashed and died. And I sent it off, 20 years worth of scans, sent it off to get see what they could recover. And about half the scans are corrupted. And the interesting part for me was that every scan was corrupted completely uniquely. Every scan looked completely different. Right. And um, it got me to thinking that all of our hard drives are not going to go into the future, no. that they are all going to die, you know, in the next 10, 15 years. And who is going to maintain those after we pass on? And for most people, it's no one. Mm. Uh, my kids certainly wouldn't know how to keep my hard drives alive and upgraded. Mm. So that all digital Im imagery being made right now will be gone in the next generation. And no one's talking about that. And I think that's truly a profound, you know, people say, oh, I have stuff in the cloud, but we, we just don't know mm. where. And also, it may be in the cloud, but none of your family members know how to access that. Yeah. So I I think I think about the photographs, especially the family photographs that have gone through generations of families, showing someone's wedding in 1900, showing someone's wedding in 1920, and we we're we're not going to have any of that. Mm. So that's what that work is about. That's. That's really interesting. So it was basically the recovery process that caused you to think like that, you think? No, that was my second part. The, the first, part, the part two. Yeah, the first, I was already thinking about it with analog photography yeah. and thinking about with making prints, etc. Hmm. Um, I'm also, just because you're in uh, England, want to share that the image on the top right that's very mm -hmm. green yeah um was shown at the national portrait gallery in london and oh, okay. they told me it was the first time they've ever showed a portrait with process where it shows some you know it's not a straight portrait yeah so i was very excited about that oh that's wonderful yeah see i like that because what why should you do something traditional that this is exactly. pushing boundaries. But I wanted to, I really wanted to make a point with this work about yeah. the future of photography. It's, um, it's pretty scary. Um, I, I mean, I work in IT, so I know this technology never ever is going to last. You know, something comes out, it's been replaced. What do you do with the old one? Um, you know, I've got DVDs. No one has DVDs anymore. We don't even have DVD right. drives. Right. So, I mean, we still have a record player and play albums. So yeah, it's wonderful um, but, to do that. Uh, yeah, you're especially with visual, you know, DVDs and um, cassette tapes and all mm. of that, and you know, all of that is going to be lost. Mm. The the only thing you're going to be able to do is keep converting it to the next format. And most people don't. No, of course I don't know. So, I know right. it's it's interesting that we live in a time 
that we are the most photographed generation hmm. or period in history with the cell phone. Everyone's documenting everything. Hmm. Yet we will not have any visual legacy in the future. Yeah. Yeah, because you've got to pay for it. That's the only yeah. other option, isn't but it? But you also have to like think forward, who mm. is going to maintain my legacy? Yeah. And then when they die, who's going to maintain it? The next generation. Yeah, so, exactly. It's not, an e it's not an easy thing. I mean, so I that's why I think make prints. Your oh, prints oh, yeah. will go into the future. Yeah, I, I'm a massive fan of that. Um, I've got me in that room and printing is what I do. Um, when I do time for prints with the models, uh, I've given them a print as well now. Um, I was only just saying this to the uh, random guy I met last night that if, when you feel comfortable enough to give something away, it's a better sign that you're actually getting there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's took a while though, I'll tell you. There's been a lot of mistakes in uh, test sheets. Uh -huh. <laughs> but it, it's hard. Um, I think it's a, it's a really nice process. I think it's one of the easiest processes you can learn. Um, and it's probably the most fun. Yeah, it's magic. It is. I adore it. Um, and I was telling him how much I adore it, and I was saying, you know, it was four degrees in my dark room, and um, I said, you know, I'm stood there in my coat, and it is very cold, and I was stood next to the heater to try and keep me warm, uh, and I'm jumping up and down to try and keep warm. But he said, oh, I won't be out in my shed making um, things with my wood, and I was like, but I love it. So, you know, that's what it's about, isn't it? Right, right. Uh, and then it... it it's a way for me to show my work. So I start sending off a few things to a few friends that uh, have maybe supported my show, uh, done me favours, um, and little things like that. So, and it's that giving back thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's wonderful. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I adore it. I mean, I, I really do like this um, negative approach. I actually did some uh, a print and uh, a couple of photos uh, where I reversed it to a negative on purpose and I showed the model and I said I really like this I appreciate it's not a beauty image uh, you might not like it and um, she was like oh no I, really, I think it's really nice I think it's so different um, and it's made me think that maybe I can um, come up with some sort of project like this mm-hmm um so you know I, I but i love this chemical thing so did you purposely use certain chemicals that you knew would give you effects well i tried a variety of like household chemicals and um, uh, you know some worked better than others yes um yeah i've heard of this i mean it's yeah. a, it's really amazing to me how strong negatives are like it's very hard to destroy them <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you can put them on the ground and scratch them and they still are, they're still there. So mm. I think I might try it with some of my negatives that are not perfect as well. 
because I love this idea of just messing about with chemicals. Um, I've done it with lumen prints where I've used food and just splashed it around and things like that. Um, so I'd be interested to see what I can do. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really, really nice thing. Um, I mean, you've also done what you'd call like maybe a traditional um, but thoughtful portrait of someone with this of, of two worlds? Yes. So um, I was commissioned by the Smithsonian Museum of Air and Space in Washington, D.C. Wow. to um, create a series of portraits of people in my area, which is the West, California. Mm. And they didn't give me a lot of guidelines. So I <laughs> said, I want to make portraits of all the immigrants in my life. I mean, immigrants that I know, like not going out and photographing strangers, but photographing people that I had some kind of relationship with. Okay. And um, so it was. it's the first and only time I've shot dig digital. I borrowed a, a friend's medium format digital because I wanted them to print large. And I wanted them to be like heroic uh, portraits that you might see in the National Portrait Gallery. Mm. Um, and I asked the sitters to wear or um, bring something from their home country. And it's probably one of the most profound series that I've done personally because mm. um, there are people that I know, but when I sat down and asked them to tell me their life story and the journey to come to the United States and all that it took and how it impacted their family, et cetera, it just was so eye-opening. Um, I mean, the people that I photograph are students, friends, my dry cleaner, you know, people mm -hmm. that I, you know, see regularly. And uh, after I finished the shoot, I did about 22 two people. Um, I invited everyone to my house with their significant other and asked them to bring a food from their country. And we had this amazing spread of food from all over the world. And such a good time because, and nobody knew each other. And it was wow. because they felt like they had all had this shared experience of, yeah. you know, they each told each other their stories. And it, it was such an amazing, special evening. So, um, so that's, that's beautiful. Thank you. That's a really clever thing to do as well, because you know it's it's more an emotional attachment, and um, you collaborate with people in, in a proper sense. It's not just artists and photographers, is it? Yeah, and it's not me going to a part of LA, let's say, and photographing the Korean popu population that I'm not friends with those people. So I, within all my work, I only photograph people I know. I don't photograph mm. strangers. Well, I think we're through the formal part of the interview there. So thank you for that. So what I'd like to do now is take you through my infamous random questions. Are you ready? 
I am ready, locked and loaded. <laughs> <laughs> so your first one is, would you rather have the head of a horse and the legs of a flamingo or the head of a flamingo and the legs of a horse? That I would much rather have the head of a flamingo and the legs of a horse. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's the... Do you think the pretty is it the prettiness of the flamingo? It's the strength of the legs. Oh, gotcha. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you can. And run. I happen to love taxidermy, so <laughs> I'm envisioning that taxidermy. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how sometimes I ask these silly questions and people have there's just some relevance to them without you know, without you realizing. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, that's cool. Okay. So can you summarize life in three words? <laughs> we might be here for several hours. Um, we'll edit this, don't worry. Laughter, um, family, and... Um, joy that's nice yeah no i think that tells us about you because obviously the things that come into mind are important to you aren't they? how about tortilla chips guacamole <laughs> ah okay they favorites as well yeah <laughs> i think that's the same for a lot of us isn't it um okay um you are bringing back a fashion trend which of these would you choose? Sweaters tied around the neck, velour tracksuits, or leg warmers? Oh, definitely velour tracksuits. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I live in Los Angeles. We have an incredible history of rap artists here. Mm -hmm. And I want my Adidas velour tracksuit with a, uh, my bucket hat and my chains and i'm ready <laughs> but what color would it be then i think red with white stripes red and white yeah nice bright it's the color red yeah. isn't it yeah i mean you can, i can imagine someone taking a photo you, you're always going to be noticed aren't you right with well, my the, Adidas, my Adidas shoes and my Adidas stripes. I can see it. Yeah. I'll get in touch with Adidas and let's see okay. what we can do. For you. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Okay. Um, so, someone in your family egged the president, and you are in front of a lineup. There is your wife your mother and a random lady now you know it was one of your family but who would you pick out and condemn well are you saying that i am married to a woman um no not necessarily no it could just be a, another situation so it's a spouse yeah a mother and the third person was who just some random person um 
I would probably identify my mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get in there, you guilty. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Ah. And it depends on which president, too. So, well, yeah. I yeah. think the previous president, we would all have egged. So. <laughs> I quite agree. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how he hasn't. Yeah. yeah. I don't either. No, no. Okay. God, that's really interesting. I thought you'd be too nice to put your mother through that. <laughs> No, thank you for that. So, um, you get to give a punch, a present, or a pint to the each of the following. So, you've got to choose one of them for each of these three people. You've got Florence Nightingale, Coco Chanel, and Oprah Winfrey. So, it's you've a punch? Punch. A present, or have a pint. I'm going to punch Florence Nightingale because she would know how to take care of the wound. Um, Very clever. I'm going to uh, let's see, Oprah and who else was it? Oprah and Coco Chanel. Oh, okay. And it's the other two are left. Or I'm sorry, it's um, uh, you got a pint, pint and a present. Um, I would give Coco Chanel a present, hoping she would give one back to me. Mm -hmm. And I would definitely want to share a pint with Oprah. Mm. I love I think, Oprah. Yeah. Well, she's like an institution in yeah. America, isn't she? She's yes. done a lot of, lot of good, isn't she? She's so. very beloved. Yeah, yeah. It's funny what people choose there. Some people play on, play on the words, so they said, you know, could a present be it could be a bad present doesn't mean to say that and um you know a pint you could just throw it over him as well so you know there's always options isn't there yep so thank you so much for going through that with me that was good fun <laughs> and um the final bit then really would you like to tell all our lovely listeners where to find you online yes um on instagram i'm at Aline Smithson. Uh, my website is alleensmithson.com and Lenscratch is at Lenscratch and um, Lenscratch.com. There we go. Yeah. And obviously, we'll put links on um, to all that for you. And I'm sure you know my, my last question, which is going to be um, Who would you like to recommend for a future interview? Um, I would like to introduce, well, of course, I have like a gazillion people. Um, <laughs> no, you, it's cheating, really, isn't it? You've, you've got um, that many people. I'd like to uh, recommend Nancy Barron, who okay. is a documentary photographer, but has three or four books out on Palm Springs. And her work is just fun and colorful. And um, I think she would make an interesting uh, person to talk to. No, that's cool. But I, I can give you about 500 other names, too. <laughs> Plus the new one every day as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, I'm spoiled for choice. I mean, I have to say, it's it really has been a lovely resource, and I enjoy looking at the work because, to me, it's something I've never had in the past. 
-huh. Yeah, and I built it really for students and educators hmm. as a way to to learn about other photographers also. So I'm no. glad you are using it. No, that's really nice. Because I think that there's there's enough places out there, like you said, that uh, have blogs and uh, maybe this is how you do things and, and things like that. And then there's glorified marketing rubbish and a lot of them. Um, um, and I've unsubscribed from everything, you know, when I first started learning photography. And now I just, I'm interested in these people who are doing really good things. Yeah. So honestly, I can't thank you enough. For fantastic resource. Oh, thank you. It's really wonderful to hear. Keeps me going. Yeah, no, well, that's what it's all about, and so you know, you're helping other people. So, um, it it it's only right that we tell you um, that it's worthwhile your cause and hard work each uh, day. So, yeah, I commend you for all your efforts. Thank you, thank you, and thank you for this wonderful interview. And it's great to get to know you and mm. have you now as one of my photo friends. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's it's lovely. Um, I can't thank you enough, Elaine. It's um, it's been really nice uh, to get to know you, and you know, I really do hope the best for uh, Lens Scratch. Um, do you. do you see it going anywhere? Then, have you got any more plans? Well, uh, we are going to upgrade the site so it looks a little snappier, um, mm -hmm. but you know, I just feel like every day I get a post out. I'm happy like mm. I it's as it, it does impact my own practice and so yeah. there are days that I think okay I'm going to close this down so that I can make more work yeah but then I hear from people how meaningful it is so I keep it going and I think you know I would just love to keep adding editors so that mm. I don't have to write quite as much yeah that will help so I can understand that. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, you take care. Yeah. Thank you for asking me and for this wonderful conversation. And I look forward to, I mean, I hate seeing myself and listening to myself. So I'll probably <laughs> listen to it no, in fine. little dribs and grabs. No, that, that, we're all the same. I hate my own voice. So when I have to listen back to it to edit it, it's like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so we all go through that. So what? Yeah, I'll let you know, and then um, I'll let you know I get on with Debbie as well. So. Okay. Excellent. Uh, I'll obviously mention you. All right. Okay. Take good care. Thank you very much. You take care. the end of the show thank you very much for listening if you want to come back again please do subscribe you can do that on anchor itunes overcast or any of the other apps uh, i look forward to seeing you again if you want to see what's happening uh, with my photography please do check out my instagram account which is vlogger.co.uk and again if you want to see uh, anything else i'm doing please check out my website which is flogger.co.uk, which was p-h-l-o-g-g-e-r.co.uk.
Thanks again for listening, everyone. Bye.